Thank you for joining us today. We hope God speaks to you. We hope dreams come alive and faith is ignited so you can impact the world and those around you for God's kingdom. Enjoy the message. Hey everybody, welcome to the City Place family this morning. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Damon. This is my beautiful wife. Happy Mother's Day, Taisha. And Thank we want to welcome you to Mother's Day right here at City Place Church. That's right, but listen, today we don't just celebrate moms. We celebrate all strong women. And if you're a woman watching today, that's including you. We know that moms are mentors and they're aunts and they're caregivers. This is how we naturally are. So this morning, we celebrate you you, strong women. That's right. We want to ask you to engage in today's service. It's Mother's Day. We're celebrating women. And you can follow along today at cityplacechurch.com backslash notes as Pastor Ty preaches this morning. We want you to engage in the conversation, engage with each other because God wants to say something to you today. Now, at the end of our service, we will honor the Lord with our giving. So go ahead and prepare yourself, prepare your hearts for what God would have you give today. Welcome to City Good morning, City Place Church. I am so excited to be with you this Mother's Day morning. Now listen, it's not just gonna be for the girls this morning, it's for all of you watching. I believe that we have a time where God has ordained a moment to speak to us. Now we've been in an incredible series called Dream Again. Have you been enjoying this series? Because God has been speaking so much to us as we have wrapped our brains around dreaming again, as Pastor has been taking us through the journey of what it's like to come alive again in God's presence. We've been enjoying this idea that God speaks to us still in this day. And this morning, I believe that God wants to continue the conversation. So if you will buckle up, if you will get ready, if you will give yourself the ability to dive in, focus in, and take some good notes, we're gonna go somewhere this morning. Can I get an amen on that? Well, a few years ago, I was standing in the middle of the campus and around me, I could see nothing but white marble and statuesque buildings. I was standing on green grass that was cool and crisp on a November morning. I'd thrown on my gray sweater, oversized as I attempted to take a run in the very chilly air. I was overwhelmed that morning almost to tears as no one else was around the campus, but I'd surveyed that moment, all that God had done. I realized that I was standing in a full circle moment. I realized that it was only God who was breathing that very moment. You see, I was standing on the campus of Harvard University. And in order to understand the gravity of that moment, you would have to understand that 20 years earlier, 20 and some change, when I was actually searching for colleges as a young student, I was excited and ambitious for all that God would call me to do, that all that he would have me to do in the next season of my life. So as I threw open the gates, as I cast my net, so to speak, of where God, where, where can I get a scholarship? Where will the doors be open? Where is my next opportunity? What do you have for me as a thriving, bustling, very ambitious, very high achieving student? I didn't even try to attend an Ivy League institution. You see, I had come from a single family household and although I knew who I was, I knew who God was, I did not doubt my abilities, there was something in me that didn't even allow me the permission to go there. It didn't even allow me the ability to see myself on a campus like that. Fast forward 20 years when I was building a learning curriculum in partnership with Harvard University and one of the first assignments that I had was to audit the program that I had helped to design. So there I was walking on the college campus and I snapped this picture. Later as I reflected upon it, I was grateful to the Lord for the opportunity for him to blow off the dust in what I'm going to call today dusty dreams. 
You see, while I was walking on that college campus, I realized that so many years earlier, there was a seed that was actually in my heart. There was something planted there that said, how high, how fast, how far can you go, Taisha, that I had decided for myself was not possible. But God is the kind of God that will sometimes revive, sometimes blow off that dust from the things that we have held and even decided for ourselves as possibilities or not. This morning, if you'll allow me and if you'll go with me, I would like to dive into this topic of dusty dreams because I believe that God, just like us deciding for ourselves, God decides to blow off some dust in our lives and I know that he is going to speak to us this morning. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? You see, there is something called imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is defined as this. It's a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skills, their talents, or their accomplishments. And it has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. You see, psychologists tell us that oftentimes you and I will decide for ourselves of who we are and who we're not, what we can do and what our limitations are. And it's our job then to work within the confines of who we are and how we are supposed to behave. But what happens when you and I decide to adopt a narrative that God isn't necessarily speaking over us? You see, as a 16 or a 17-year-old girl, God never said, you are not to go to Harvard. I decided that there was a cap, that there, there was something over me that was a limiting force, right? There was a limiting belief. I decided that manuscript. God never spoke that. Now, I ask you this morning as we get started, just for you to frame for yourself, what are the areas where maybe there's something, even as I've spoken, even already as I've given a story that you would say, I know, I know, I know, I had a dream once. And this morning, I'm going to ask you to identify what you once knew. I love this in Genesis 3:11. Adam and, and Eve are, are given the gift of the Garden of Eden. They are given the gift from God without anything that they have to do for it. It is a true gift. It is the, the garden that has everything they need, every kind of plant, every kind of activity, every kind of fruit, and they are given parameters of what they can do. It says in verse 10 of Genesis 3, and he answered, this is Adam speaking, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid and he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? You see, from the beginning of scripture, Adam discovers that he has a problem. He has believed a narrative that God didn't say, that God didn't start speaking, but Adam adopted for himself a conversation, a limiting factor, if you will, where God was never a part of. You see, this morning as we start our time, it's really important that we just stop and, and, and before we go any further to say there are some conversations that we have, that we believe, that we subscribe to, that God is not in. I love this also in Numbers 13 because it gives us another example of people, of normal people, just like you and I, who adopt these kinds of ideas over what they can and cannot do. Now, this is the, the Israelites who famously go in to spy out the land that God has promised. Now, you need to know the backstory. Obviously, the Israelites have made a very long journey. Moses is, is, is there. Joshua is there. Caleb is there. And as they're about to approach the promised land and see for themselves all that God has promised, they send out 12 spies. And this is what happens when we pick up the story. Numbers 13, verse 32, it says, And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. We seemed like grasshoppers, watch now, in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. 
You see, the scripture doesn't say in Numbers that they sent out spies and they said, we believe it. If God said it, we believe it. We see the land. We're going out to get the promises of God. No, it says that 12 spies went out and they came back with a negative report. It's not because they decided that they were going to have a bad day. It's because they were truly looking at something. The Nephilim were considered giants, literally oversized humans. They were said to be almost mini gods that would come down in the earth. They were like seven foot tall or higher. The Nephilim were completely a, 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 a giant in the Israelites' eyes and they came back and said, that's all we saw. And then watch this. It says, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes not how the enemy saw me but this is how I saw myself how many times have you seen an adversary something that feels stronger than what you can give it how often have you fought a what seems to be a giant only to feel like I cannot do this I am a grasshopper in my own eyes, not in the eyes of my enemy, not in the one who already knows that I am the rightful heir, but in my own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Now watch, they didn't look like grasshoppers to the enemy until they felt like grasshoppers to themselves. This is the nature of imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is that psychos, that psychology that tells us that you are not what God says you are. I'm here to declare to you this morning that regardless of the human psychology, regardless of how you feel this morning, regardless of how you see yourself, I am here to declare to you that God says, you are who I said you are. You are my son and my daughter with whom I am well pleased. You are the one who I've given purpose and destiny. See, sometimes we have to tell that narrative, you do not belong to the voice of God. And just because things are human doesn't mean that they are godly. This morning, if you'll allow me, I wanted to take us through a little bit of what I'm going to call spiritual hopscotch as we jump around scripture and get to this idea and understanding of how God sees us so that we can uncover the dreams that have a little bit of dust on them. Over the last couple of weeks, Pastor's been sharing with us a couple of key concepts, and, and the first one is very important, that our God dreams are different than just dreams. Our God dreams are one that honors his house, his people, his purposes, his plans. You see, sometimes we can be a high-achieving culture with lots of goals, with lots of things we'd like to accomplish. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been sifting through the things that are just for me and the motivations that come with those and the ones that actually honor God. He said this, we know that God dreams are birthed only in the presence of the Lord. What does that mean to us this morning, City Place? That means that in God, his presence is required. That your job and my job is to maintain a lifestyle and a relationship where we sit in the presence of God so that we get God dreams. So often when people come uh, to me and they ask me through some strategy or ask me for some thoughts or even some mentoring, they, they will say, well, this is the dream that I have. And so often it's noble things. It's things that are, are to help a certain population or to, to maybe change careers or to move or, or are, are various things that we want to do. But my question always is the same. Where did this dream come from? Start to unpack the genesis of where this dream came from because very quickly we can understand that our dreams must be rooted. They must be birthed in the presence of God. And just because a dream is good doesn't make it godly. So my question for you this morning is, are you able to identify the origin of the God dream? We know that if God dreams are birthed only in his presence, then his presence is a sweet place where there are, and this is in your notes, no shortcuts and no rush jobs. 
There is no such thing in God's timing about a rush job or a shortcut. You see, shortcuts get us to the destination, but it often takes the long way anyways. We see this so many times in scripture where people try to take a little quick way around the mountain or like Jonah, God, I'm not doing that. Well, I want you to go to Nineveh. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to run away instead. And where does Jonah end up eventually? Besides the belly of a whale, he still brings his little butt to Nineveh. There are no shortcuts with God's plan. And just like we see all throughout scripture, the same is true for us. Birthing takes time. Come on, mamas. I'm talking to you this morning, this Mother's Day. Birthing, there's nothing quick about it. There's nothing short about it. Birthing takes time and shortcuts produce illegitimate children. I bet if Abraham and Sarah were with us this morning, they would tell us the story of what it's like to believe with all your might that God will do what he promised. God promised Abraham and Sarah a son, an heir, a, a baby boy to carry on their name. But year after year and prayer after prayer, as they did not see this fulfillment of God's word, it was deflating. And every month it was a reminder that God had not yet come through. And so, you know the story, they decide to take matters into their own hands and to produce an illegitimate heir. You see, if God dreams are birthed in the presence of God, then we make peace with God's timing. If God dreams are birthed in the presence of God, then we make peace with God's timing. Said like this, I'd, I'd heard a speaker some years ago, and, and she so succinctly put put the, the idea of us trusting the process and trusting the timing and trusting the, the scope and the goodness of God in this way with three simple sentences, God is good, God is good to me, and God is good at being God. I've lived the last few years since I've heard that, that I've, I've aligned my life to these three sentences that God is good. That he is also good to me personally. He's not just somebody from afar off, but he is good to me. And he is good at being job, i.e. he does not require assistance. If God dreams are birthed in the presence of God, as we've been talking about this morning, then I have a question for you as we dive into this idea of dusty dreams. If God dreams are birthed in his presence, then where do the dreams that take us away from God's presence come from? Where do the things that derail us, that pause us, that cause us to think that there's an easier, quicker route, that there is a, a diet pill instead of doing the work? Where, where are the ideas that allow us to say, I want to do it faster, better, cheaper. I, I want to, this isn't working in my timeline. Where do these thoughts and emotions come from? I submit to you that there is a, a uh, concept in science that will help us today as we dive into this topic. I was doing a little bit of research on dust because dust is one of those things that you're like, you know, don't get a black car, don't get dark floors, don't get furniture that you don't want to be dark and see the little line of dust sitting on it. Is, am I alone? Am I alone? Nobody? I, I get a layer of dust on the things in my house and it makes me want to throw everything away. You know what I'm saying? And so I did a little research on dust because I've often thought, where does this come from? You know, it's just me. It's, it's, it's not like I'm, I'm like going to the beach and emptying sand on my ground. Like, where is this coming from? What is going on? And this is what, what, I, what I found where dust comes from. It says this, um, dust particles are actually tiny bits of rock, ash, and organic matter that have been ground into fine pieces by the wind. The wear and tear on the rocks, the ash, and the organic matter is what makes its way into our stuff, y'all. This is interesting. It says, because the dust particles have so much trouble getting through the air, we don't see them. It's not like you just look in a, in a building and you just see dust falling. That doesn't happen. But because they have so much trouble, they tend to get swept along by moving air. 
This is interesting. And so anywhere that has a large current or a steady stream of wind has relatively little dust. The dust is swept along by the air current and it really doesn't have any ability to descend all the way to the floor or to your furniture. But in the areas of the building where the air is fairly still, the dust can slowly settle so that it coats the surfaces. How does dust settle? In the same way that physical dust settles from the earth and the organic matter and the ash is the same way that our dreams get dusty. The same way that the, 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 the rocks and the ash and the organic matter get chipped away and begins to settle until it finds its home is the same way that your dream and my dream get dusty. For some of us, it takes years, and for some of us, it takes moments, but it's the same principle. So how do things get dusty from a lack of air flow? Now let's take this and look at this with spiritual eyes because we know that the air blows and that keeps the dust off of our furniture. But my question to you this morning is what keeps the dust off of your dreams? What keeps the dust off of your life? We know it that science says that it's the lack of airflow. So we'll put it with our spiritual eyes and say then it's the air that flows from heaven that keeps the dust off of our dreams. How do dreams get dusty? We're going to explore that over the next few moments. And, and, and dreams get dusty in two ways. The first way that our dreams get dusty, where it, it feels like we can't recognize what God is doing, where we don't, we look around and we say, God, where are you? Where have you left me? What are you doing? Why did you stop speaking to me? Why, why am I going through this? I don't understand. The first way that our dreams get dusty is suddenly. It's right there in your notes. This happens when big things happen in our life that cause a shaking or a stirring or a severing or a cutting. And you guys are going to know what I mean in just a moment because I am like human and I know you are too. So I know we've experienced some suddenlies. Suddenly things are things that blow up, people who surprise us, things that we were not anticipating, things that come out of nowhere. They are, they're blow-ups, they're surprises, they're things where we're like, God, what, what is this? I was just, I was just walking and there was an accident and that's a suddenly, I was just minding my business and this big thing happened, that's a suddenly. Another example of a suddenly is my least favorite of all and it's called a sucker punch. In boxing, a sucker punch is where, you, you know, you get me from the side where I'm not looking. You get my blind spot. I wasn't anticipating that. And if you get somebody with a sucker punch and they, are, they don't have strong footing, then you're able to give them a good knockout. Sucker punches are things that we don't expect. They're frustrations that we have or blows that the enemy takes against us as we, we are, have not strong footing and it knocks us off. They're conversations that we say, I'm so mad at you, God. Last week, Pastor talked about uh, ways that we overcome, that we understand what God is doing. And he said this, and this is so important. He said, I have come to realize in life that we must anticipate problems. You see, if we were in boxing right now and you were going to give me a sucker punch, but I knew at some moment you were going to give me something I was not expecting, I would be on the lookout. I would be looking at my blind spots. I would be keeping my hands up. And this spiritually is what you and I must do to protect against the suddenly. You see, so often we're caught off guard by what the enemy is doing. And I ask this question almost every time we start a new semester of our small groups. I say, if I was to craft the perfect battle plan to get you away from church, to get you to hate your family, to get you to hate your job, to get you to hate the people of God, to pull you away from this small group, what would I do? And when you get people starting to think about all the problems that they could encounter. Listen, it's not depressing. It puts our hands up. 
People say things like, well, I would, if it were me, I would make myself so busy that I didn't have time for God, that I wouldn't read my word for myself, that I would forget what it's like to worship God. That's what I would do. I would make myself so mad and so uptight with my family. I would yell all the time and I would, I would just not appreciate what's in front of me. Some people would say, I would get so busy that I would get mad and offended and I would pull myself away from church. That's what my battle plan would be. My question for you this morning, or my statement rather, is you have a real enemy this morning. I don't mean to depress you. I'm going to state the obvious. You have a real enemy this morning that has a perfectly, uniquely battle plan crafted just with your name on it. So put your hands up. Put your hands up. God says this in, in uh, Deuteronomy 10, 14, 16. I love this line that the people of Israel, God's chosen nation is, is acting crazy, y'all. They are doing things and God has separated them. He has called them to be unique and separated. And it says this, to the Lord your God belong the heavens and even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them. He chose you, their descendants, above all of the nations as it is today. So circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. I love that because it's like God saying, you left me boldly. You left me because of a suddenly. So come back quick and bold just the same way you left. Somebody needs to hear that this morning, that it's time for you to be just as bold, for you to be just as quick, for you to be just as indignant as the way you left God. It's time for you to come back to God and throw your shoulders back just as bold and just as quick as the suddenly that you left him. What's the second way that dust settles? We've talked about suddenly a way that surprises, the sucker punches, the things that the enemy does to get us off course, even sin that would draw us and, and surprise ourselves with our own sin. The second way that dust settles on our dreams is slowly. Now, this is the tricky one because suddenly almost feels when we talk about it like obvious, like I'm going to be um, a, a surprise. I'm, there's going to be a ripping. There's going to be a tearing in so suddenly. And so I understand when I'm mad at God because something big happens. But what about when there's nothing big at all? You see, slowly is the real silent killer. While, while suddenly can get us off balance if we're in the boxing ring, slowly is the unnoticeable, undetected deterioration of our faith. Now this one right here is where the enemy thrives because, this is in your notes, the enemy thrives in areas undetected. He likes to do things where it's, it's leaky, it's rusty, it, it's got sinkholes. Have you ever heard about a, a small drip of a faucet that creates a, a havoc in a house? Or, or things that were, they're, they're moist and it creates layers of mildew. Or sinkholes that form over time. See, the things that are slow, that are dangerous, that take small ground little by little while we're sleeping, while we're not watching, we say, that's fine. Oh, that TV program I used to be uh, up nerved about, but it's, it's okay, just a little slip here and there. That's, that's okay. And before you know it, year after year, moment after moment, you don't even recognize yourself. You see, the real danger of our faith, the real danger of our God dreams when God speaks something to us are the things not that come suddenly, that disappear from us suddenly and collect us. The real danger are the things that happen little by little under our watch. Sometimes this slow happens on our account. It's our pride. It's our arrogance to God where we say, oh, you know, I don't really need to rely on God every single day. So I can go with just reading my Bible once or twice a week and I can figure it out. Or I'll let the pastor do his job and bring to me a really great word. And then I'll judge it well to let him know if he or she did a good job or not. I'll let them know. You know what, it's okay if I don't worship today. God doesn't need my worship every day. So if I slip in a little bit, that gets the party thumping, that'd be all right. It's this idea that God is somehow in cooperation with us. That it's a little bit of God and then a little bit of my effort. And then a little bit of God 
and then I'll, I'll sprinkle in a little bit of my strategy and a little bit of God and a God word and then I'll slip back into what I can do in my own strength. And you see, God tells us in his word that he does not share stages, that he does not share the ground. There is no one like him. He is all alone and all by himself. So sometimes our slow deterioration is on our account. It's a sign of pride that says, you're good. I'm good. We can work together. Where God is saying, I'm not asking to partner with you in that way. I am asking for your full reliance to be upon me. When I was young, I, I knew that I could survive off my 20-something strength. There was a time when we moved, actually, to Florida to plant City Place Church that I was in Walmart with those uh, clear plastic totes. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They, you, you store stuff in them. They're like the, the kind with the lids and whatever. So I had probably a stack of six or seven of those, and I decided that I was going to take them out of my cart so that I could scan them at the, uh, the self-checkout. And they were empty, okay? There was nothing in them. So I had them in my cart, and they were about five or six high. And so I was scanning these totes, but I couldn't quite get the barcode. And so I needed to lift it up, and I needed to take them out and just set them on the ground for a minute so I could do a quick scan. Now, I kid you not, I was lifting the totes when I heard a crack. I was lifting empty totes with nothing in them but air when I heard a crack. I had pulled something in my 40-something-year-old back, as I was lifting empty totes, I remember going to the doctor, and the doctor said, well, Taisha, we're going to take x-rays. We're going to figure out if there's something gravely wrong. But the real issue here is that you have a weak core. You see, I thought I was cute. I thought I was doing something. I thought with my little stretchy pants, I could go to Walmart and do all the things and act like I'm good. I didn't really have to build the muscle strength. I really didn't have to do what everybody had to, else had to do. I got special exemptions. I mean, crunches and abs, those got boring. Those got old. So when I'm lifting heavy totes, I can do it off of my brute force. I wonder how many times you and I have decided that God can use us in our own strength that the little bit that he gives us on the weekend is enough. Here's my question for you as we make this a little bit more personal. What have you slipped away from? What disciplines have been in your life at some point that have slipped away without your notice? What's right in front of you that you have forgotten to value? I didn't value my core muscles because I was like, that's, that's, that's not for me. I can lift empty totes. But the truth of the matter is, when I was in a moment unexpected, the weakness, the areas that I had chosen to neglect came to the surface. You know, so many times people come to us as pastors in their highest and their lowest seasons. And I always look back and without any judgment or shame or condemnation, I say, let's talk about your spiritual life. Let's talk about your spiritual everyday life. Let's not talk about your crisis life. Let's talk about who you are. Let's unpack where this came from. And oftentimes we find that there's a layer of dust. God speaks to us. To rise up and says, blow the dust off of the dream I already gave you. Sure, will God speak? Of course he will. Does God still speak today to give us new and fresh dreams? Of course he does. But for so many of us this morning, if we're honest, we would say, it's actually a matter of blowing dust off of the dream he already gave me, it's time to dream again. I want to give you one more scripture as we conclude our time together this morning. I believe that this will bring the cherry on top of what God wants to say to us. It's found in Luke 13, beginning in verse 10. 
Over these next few verses, Jesus is in the synagogue teaching, and his heart is grieved over what he sees. Let's read this together. It says, on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. Somebody say 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. And then he put his hands on her. And immediately she straightened up and she praised God. This story tells us about a woman that for 18 years had been crippled. It does not tell us that this woman was crippled from birth. It does not tell us what happened to her. But we know that she was so crippled that she was bent over. That her physical frame had been adjusted over what she had been carrying. Can you see what her life must have been like as the pressure and the weight caused extra emphasis on her neck just to look and make eye contact? What would her life had been like because she would hobble around and have a permanent crippling of her back? This particular woman had suffered for 18 years. I read this story and I think about what she woke up with on the first day that she encountered this infirmity. Did she think to herself, I just have a pain in my back. I need to go see someone. For 18 years after the first year had gone by and the second year and likely with no avail and no treatment and nobody that could assist her, did she give up hope somewhere between year one and year 17.9 where she would say, this is as good as it gets. This is my new normal. This is my new self. This is my new position. How many of you watching this morning would say, God, there are some things that I have put on a shelf somewhere that you spoke to me at one point but right now right here in this way in this season I no longer believe it my life doesn't look like it I feel like I am crippled over in what you have spoken and what you are doing you see, I believe that there had been years where she had faith and hope that one day she would get better. But then at some point, somewhere, that hope, that desire, that, that need to be healed, that fervency probably wore off. Where the prayers were not answered. Where her hope had been deteriorated. I love this scripture because the Bible does not say that this, this infirmity threatened her life. It says that it just was a perspective where she could not see straight. And Jesus, knowing that she would have been just fine, she could have lived out the rest of her years. There was nothing that would cause her to be in a life-threatening situation. He says, woman, stand up and puts his hand on her. You see, Jesus just like this woman desires that whether or not this is a life-threatening situation says I am willing to stretch out my hand and change your perspective the Bible tells us in Psalms David is speaking he says get your hopes up if David, like scripture, we'd see, can you just hear Jesus repeating and thinking the prayer that David had prayed many years before? Get your hopes up. David is like, get your hopes up. The master's in the room. Jesus is here. He's getting ready to stretch out your hand because I'm telling you that there was a time where David prayed this prayer. Sustain me, my God. According to your promise, and I will live. Do not let my hopes be dashed. Another version says this, uphold me according to thy word that I may live and let me not be ashamed of my hope. David is speaking all of those years before saying, no, 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 the master is in the room. Jesus is in the room. Don't you not put your hopes up. Can you hear him this morning speaking to you and speaking to me? Sometimes 
It is our, our, our natural inclination to say, I don't want to get my hopes up. I don't want to believe God for that. Because what happens if it doesn't happen? What happens if he doesn't show up? What happens if I'm disappointed? And David says this, let me not be ashamed of my hope. You see, I believe that because the Bible says the woman was had this infirmity for 18 years, that there was a moment where she was sitting there when Jesus was there, where her memory served her well. And she said, here's the problem, devil. I remember what it was like to be whole. The Bible does not say that she was this way from birth. It does not say that she did not understand what it was like to run and play and lift up her head and have full breath and oxygen in her lungs. It doesn't say that she never tasted it. And maybe you're there this morning and the biggest, baddest, worst nightmare of the devil this morning is that you have the ability to remember the goodness of God. Let me tell you this morning, church, that the woman was standing there and she said, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't know who you're messing with because this mama, this woman right here, I remember what it was like. I remember the goodness of God. I remember running. I remember doing the things. I remember when his hand was on me. And I declare to you this morning that regardless of what you see, regardless of the layer of dust that is on your dreams this morning, can I call you forward to say, remember the goodness of your God. God is waiting to say, hold up. The best thing that they could do is to know that I have never left them, that I'm not planning on doing it now. Will they remember who I am? Will they remember my capabilities this morning? Will you blow some dust off of that dream and redeclare who I am? I believe that God is speaking to us to say, imposter syndrome, no, it doesn't live here because I remember. I remember what it was like, like Adam, to walk in the coolness of the day in freedom with God. I remember what it was like, like we learned last week, to have childlike dreams, to have childlike faith. I remember what it was like when dreaming was easy, when going with God to places that I had never ventured before was an exploration. I remember what it's like when Jesus reaches out his hand and sees me in the middle of a synagogue and breathes on me. I remember, I remember, and Jesus, this morning, will you put your hand on me so I can be healed? I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I know in a broadcast of this size, in rooms of this size, that Jesus has the ability right there where you're sitting and right there where you're watching to take his hand and to say, not only can I, but I desire to breathe on you today. I desire to be the breath of God that blows that dust off of the dream I have already spoken. I can and I desire for you to dream again. I know that there are those of us who would say, Pastor Ty, I need help because somewhere along the line, I have forgotten. And I realize now that it's time for me to remember who I am and whose I am. That I'm a child of God and he does not forsake his children. I want to pray for two types of people this morning. I want to pray for those of you who would say, Pastor Ty, that's me. I have a dream that I know was once a vibrant God dream. Ones that are used for his purpose, his plan, his, his people, his glory. I know that I had a God dream, but it has gained some dust. And I want you to pray for me as I blow off the dust in Jesus' name. I want to pray for you this morning. I also want to pray for a second group of people. For those who would say, as you've been talking about dreams, as you've been talking about what Jesus can and what he's willing to do, I know, Pastor Ty, that there, there's, there's a God that you're talking about that I'm not yet acquainted with. 
And for those of you who would say that, I say this, there's a very simple prayer. One that says we declare who Jesus is and we declare what Jesus did for us. And when we declare it with our mouth and believe it in our hearts, the Bible says that we are saved and reconciled to God our Father. And in making such a powerful, bold prayer and declaration that we say, God, I am yours, that he comes running to us. When we do that, he has permission then to speak to us and breathe on us and, and, and do it in a way that seals it forever. God-sized dreams. I'm praying for two types of people this morning. If you are in that first group or if you're in the second group that would declare, Jesus, you're going to be my Lord just the same wherever you are right now, will you lift up your hands towards heaven? I want to pray for you, but I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer with your mouth. I'm going to ask you to declare that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior. Let me pray for group one first and then repeat this prayer after me. God, I thank you for how you speak to us, that where the dust has settled, that you are willing and you are able to blow the dust off of our dreams. God, in this series of dreaming again, we are giving you the disappointments, the areas where we have felt like imposters in our own skin. The times, God, where like that woman we have been bent over and our perspective has been off and maybe we've even settled with some sicknesses for years and years. But today, we declare boldly and quickly that we are yours and we are asking that you would reach your hand out to us to heal us in Jesus' name. Now, if you're in the second group of people and you are ready and bold and, and, and willing to declare Jesus is your Lord, this is your opportunity. With your hands still lifted, will you repeat this prayer after me? Say, Jesus, with boldness, say, Jesus, I declare this morning that I am not settling for any dust. I declare boldly and quickly that you are my God. I know who I am in you, and I know whose I am. I believe you died for me, and I believe you rose again. I am your child, in Jesus' name, amen. Now church, I want to be the first one to tell you that I am celebrating you. This is a day of freedom. This is a day where God is doing amazing things as we continue to dream again, to pursue him again, to run after God just as boldly and wildly as he comes running towards us. No longer will we take a crippling position as our everyday life. We're blowing some dust off. We're blowing some dust off of our dusty dreams in Jesus' name. Come on, City Place. Did you enjoy the message from Pastor Ty this morning? Dusty dreams. I don't know about you, but my heart is so full this morning. And for those of you who said yes to Jesus, you made the very best decision of your life. There's some next steps that we want to encourage you to take here at City Place Church. The first thing is, is will you let us know the decision that you made today? Text City Place to 94000, or you can complete a virtual connect card, cityplacechurch.com backslash card, and let us know the decision that you made. Our team wants to send you some resources just to say, one, thank you for being bold in your decision, but to two, to come alongside you and help you walk in your next step with the Lord. As a church, we believe that God has called us to come alongside you to help your dreams come alive, your faith be ignited. And so that leadership that God put on the inside of you, that they can thrive. And so again, on behalf of my wife, Taisha, and all of City Place Church, congratulations. Come on, City Place. Can we celebrate everyone that said yes to Jesus on Facebook and YouTube this morning? Congratulations. Well done. The second next step that I want to invite you to is we believe that every person needs to be a part of a life-giving church. 
And I want to invite you to learn more about the heart of City Place Church. Yes, you're, you may be online, but we want to include you in the family. We want to be able to speak life into you. And there's going to be information that you can, uh, where you can say, hey, I'd love to learn more about City Place Church. I'd love to take my next step because we believe that this is an environment where you can discover family and find your fit, to, to discover how God created you and made you and your purpose and how God wants to use that to help other people's dreams come alive. So those are two steps. One, that virtual connects card, or you can text City Place to 94000, or we want you to take that next step by us spending time together in Next Steps class. Well done on the decision that you made today. You know, earlier we mentioned that we would worship God with our giving. And as a church, we have a core value where we believe that God has called our church to live, to give. And this is our time where we present an opportunity for us to trust the Lord and to give him the first part of all that he's given us when it comes to our kingdom finances. And when we partner together, our reach goes so much further to impact our city. You know, we've been talking about our partnership with you moms. And I want to say thank you for investing in the lives of single moms who just need a little bit of life spoken into them. And we've been helping provide car seats and some other resources that you moms are providing to those young women. And so I want to say thank you for the continued partnership with City Place Church, but also you're trusting God with your kingdom finances. And so I'm going to get ready to pray. Our team is putting up the information. You can text to give, you can give online, or just know that as you trust God, God handles all of the things in your house as you care for his house. So I'm going to pray. We're going to celebrate those that made a decision. And we pray that this Mother's Day weekend for you as a mentor, a mom, an aunt, a sister, a teacher, wherever you are, to all of the ladies, we say thank you for investing in the life of someone else. You are valued here at City Place Church and you are valued before the Father. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We thank you for all of the decisions that were made to follow you and those that are taking their next step, whether it's to text or to send just a note online or those that's going to say, hey, we want to be a part of a life-giving church. God, we celebrate and we know that heaven is partying like crazy today for those that said yes. But Father, we also worship you with our kingdom finances. We thank you for allowing us as a church to represent you on the earth. We pray, Lord God, that we will continue to impact those in our city, those in our nation, and those around the world. I pray that this day will be one of the most exciting days as dreams continue to come alive and that this week will be empowered by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, everybody, have a great day in Jesus and a great week in Jesus. And let's believe that we all are going to dream again. Have a great week. We love you, City Place. Thanks so much for joining us. Stay connected by subscribing to the City Place Church podcast, following us on Instagram, checking us out on Facebook, or by visiting our website, www.cityplacechurch.com.